Welcome to Rooted and Radiant. I'm your host, Jan Harrison. Here we seek to root ourselves in the life-giving Word of God and cultivate spiritual fruit that radiates Jesus in and through us. Today I want to share my own personal journey into the wilderness of sorrow and loss. No matter how often I return to this place in my life, I learn new things about myself, about other people, and I'm always reminded and encouraged that my God has been faithful. It was a glorious day in October. The signs of changing seasons were all around as I sat at my desk preparing to teach my Bible study class the next day. I heard the back door open and remember wondering why my husband was home at that time of day. I looked up to see him standing in the doorway of my office and he said very quietly, Jan, come with me. I wasn't alarmed, I was just curious until he turned around and looked at me with a look on his face that told me that something was terribly, terribly wrong. And he simply said very quietly, Jan, we've lost James today. I felt as if the floor beneath me was going to open up and I was about to free fall into a deep, dark pit. James was our 27-year-old son living and working in Africa. The U.S. Embassy in Nairobi had called to inform us. Frank had been at lunch preparing to go into a meeting for the afternoon when he received the call, and he came home immediately to tell me the news. It's the news that every parent dreads. And to find yourself standing there in that moment and that dreaded news becoming a reality was more than I could comprehend. How do you grasp and process that your only son is dead? The hours, the days, the weeks, the months, and the years that have followed since October the 5th, 2010, they've been hard and they have often been treacherous. We've witnessed so many seasons and so many changes in our lives and in our faith since then. Nothing has been or ever will be the same again. Believe it or not, there are many things that have grown deeper, stronger, more certain than before this crisis hit us. Sorrows of life can cause us to rise toward God. The wilderness of my life has been both terrifying and tender. Grief is grueling work. Sorrow and sadness are draining and exhausting. But unexpected beauty and blessings have been exposed in miraculous ways. I can tell you that there are treasures in the darkness. There are beautiful things that come from the fragments and the pieces of something that is so heartbreaking. I want to share some of the things that I am learning personally as I walk this path through the years. I'm no expert. I'm simply a sojourner on this pathway of life. 
but there are some spiritual supplies that are there for you that God wants to use in your life to equip you. Before I share all of these things, and that is that Jesus is enough for anything and everything he will ever allow you to face. Faith does not erase the pain, and healing does not mean that the hurt is ever over. But because Jesus is alive, I do have living hope, and I know that resurrection life is a reality, and it gives me grace to live with joy in this life today. The time and attention that you invest in your own spiritual growth is invaluable. Preparation for unplanned and uncharted paths of life. As a 27-year-old young woman, I understood that Jesus had died for me, and I wanted to give myself to him, and I made a deliberate decision to know him. I gave him my heart, and our relationship became more and more personal over the years. Years of seeking to know him in his word and learning to apply that word to my own life were being used to equip me and prepare me for this tragic day. I had no idea what I was being prepared for, what God was readying me to receive in my life, but nothing, no step I made, no small or big decision to know and to grow in him was wasted. The first supply I was able to reach for was God's word. It is my source and supply and gave strength and readiness for the mystery that became a reality. Without any understanding of who Jesus is or confidence in his character, the sudden death of my son would be unbearable. My heart was broken. My mind was jumbled with confusion and questions and doubt and fear. But my spirit was strong because I had eaten the bread of life in a regular way for years. As soon as I heard the news that we had lost James, my first physical reaction was I had to get outside. I needed to be able to breathe. I needed to stand in that glorious October afternoon and just sense the sun and the sky and the clouds. I needed to anchor myself to something that was real. And I was desperate for air. And within minutes of standing on the back porch, the Holy Spirit started to speak words of truth and comfort into my innermost being. He started to console my racing mind and my trembling body. Words of life and hope started to pour into and through me. I could hear myself saying without even thinking, Absent from the body is present with the Lord. 
Though he die, yet shall he live if he believes in me. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end. Peace, my peace, I speak to you. All of the words that, that the Spirit of God brought back to my mind in that instant had been sown deep into my heart over time before and they brought a supernatural sense and a knowing of God's presence. Yes, I still had the natural responses and reactions of a sudden shock, but I also had just an overwhelming understanding that I was not alone. God was in it. God was with me, God was for me, and God would show us how to walk through. The first call we made after those first initial moments were to our pastor. He and his wife were there at the house within an hour. They sat with us, they prayed with us, they cried with us. They advised us on how to even begin to make those first heartbreaking steps of telling James's sisters, calling family, making the first arrangements that had to be made. He had died in Africa. We had no details. The embassy was not able to furnish any details other than to simply inform us that he was dead. So there were a million questions swirling in our minds, a million things that we wanted to know, but we had to take very deliberate steps to begin to learn what do you do when this kind of thing happens. I pray that you have a pastor, a spiritual shepherd to God and to lead you. You will find yourself at some time in your life in desperate need. For years, we have been fed spiritually and led by our pastor and others in spiritual authority. And in obedience to God's word and faith, I know that it is God's will for all believers to be a living, breathing, participating member of the body of Christ. Please don't try to create a faith walk all alone. Shepherds lead their sheep through the wilderness. They watch over them and they protect them from the lurking enemies of darkness, from the fears, from the questions, from the assault that the enemy brings against you in the crisis he leads them the good shepherd leads them by still waters and takes them to green pastures you need a shepherd in your life jesus is the chief shepherd and he's the guardian of your soul and he has appointed leaders to help you grow and help you thrive as a part of the body of Christ. Prayer was the connection that held us together when body and mind are about to fly apart. 
other people praying. It's that two-way conversation that calls God into the very midst of the chaos and the crisis time. There's no time like right now to start to practice what does it mean to cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. You can call out to him any time of the day or the night. Psalm 55 verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. I believed that. I would walk around whispering, Jesus, help us. Jesus, show us. Jesus, hold us. Jesus, comfort us. Morning, noon, and night, I cried out to him. And I was certain that he heard my voice. It might sound ridiculous, but I'm telling you that was the only way I could survive those first days and weeks and months. Other people prayed for us when you're too weary and you're too tired and the grief is dark and your loneliness and your sadness takes over. There were others. My prayer partner, I'll never forget her walking in the house and the girls had arrived home and Frank was preparing to leave to go to Africa to get James's body and she walked in the back door and she just wrapped us in her arms and she began to pray and she prayed in the spirit and she called on the name of God and she called on Jehovah Shalom, the peace of God to just take over every room, every heart, every word, every person who would come in and every person that would go out. And I believed that in calling on him, his presence entered into our very midst of that house of mourning. And he was with us then. Everything in my life changed. Our marriage changed. You know, the statistics for couples that lose a child, it's very high for it to end up leading to divorce. Our marriage was in a new territory, and we had to, again, learn to call on the Lord by faith. We were two people grieving very differently in the process and the way you lose and and process that loss is different for every single person. I learned that I could not expect my husband to make it all all right. I had to learn what it looked like and what it meant to be able to comfort myself in the Lord. We had to give each other the freedom to mourn and to grieve in our own way. We had to allow each other the space that we needed. We couldn't have unrealistic or unfair expectations. His loss of his only son was different from anything that I felt as the loss of the mother who had carried this child in her womb before anybody knew that I was pregnant. I knew. So I 
have that severing. There were no words. And it's so important to realize that other people do not understand, but it's also true that it's not fair to expect anybody else to understand. You have to learn how to take it to the Lord. Our family, even simple questions like, how many children do you have? Or tell me about your family became stumbling blocks, places that that the answer would garble and catch in my throat for a long time. I didn't know how to say. I didn't want to act like he didn't exist because he's very much alive, not only because we keep him alive, but because I know that he is more alive than he ever was on this earth. How do you say? You say, so now I generally settle on, I have three grown daughters and a son who is in heaven. Our interpersonal relationships within our own family, the dynamics, every person's perspective, everyone's grief journey, all of these things you're trying to gauge, you're trying to understand. They take wisdom, they take discernment, they take insight, they take revelation, they take God to step into the midst and begin to show you the things that you need to know. It has been 13 years, and I am certain that I will live with grief in my heart for as long as I live. I'm always aware that joy and sorrow coexist. Holidays, milestones, people and places, they can all trigger emotional responses when you least expect them. Sometimes I've described grief as like a stalker. It's always out there. You just never know exactly when it's going to reveal itself to you again. In 2019, at the end of a long and exhausting trip to some of the places James had lived and served in Africa, I wandered into a small gift shop where I was encouraged by the local shopkeeper to make a purchase And looking through the limited stock, I spotted a bracelet made out of beads with the name J-A-M-E-S spelled across it. The only English name in a hut, souvenir shop in Rwanda. Coincidence? Not at all to me. It was a reminder that God knows where you are, why you are there, and he cares about the weight that you carry in your heart. After returning from that trip, I was overcome with the pain and the loss. And even after nine years, my sorrow took me back to the wilderness. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. And he has done great things through all of the tears and over the years. James went to Africa as a young man trying to figure out who he was, what was his purpose, what was his place in the world. When he went to Africa to serve in South Sudan, he was up for an adventure and the excitement that that held. But he met a small group of men who circled around him with authentic commitment to follow Jesus, and he began to walk alongside them literally day after day. 
The hardships and the poverty of the environment were daunting, but the sincere devotion of the power of the gospel to change lives was greater than physical circumstances. James was changed by the power of Christ's love through the people he lived with and shared life with. After those first couple of years in Africa, James and his dad founded a ministry, Open Eyes, to empower local pastors to reach the unreached and underserved people in their areas and beyond. After James's death, we saw God breathe on the ministry, and it began to grow. And today, 13 years, it thrives in ways that we could have never imagined. There's no shortage of people that are still waiting to hear that Jesus died for them, and he wants them to receive forgiveness for sins and to live eternally. One young man saying yes to an invitation has resulted in many, many people receiving eternal life and hope in impossible places and circumstances. Open Eyes supplies transportation and training to local pastors in 11 countries, bringing visible hope through evangelism and meeting practical needs. Was it worth it, you might be thinking, to lose your son? That's a hard question. As a mom, I want to say to somebody out there who's listening that the most valuable gift you can ever give your children is the opportunity to know Jesus personally. What they do with that opportunity is on them. But for you to have the blessed assurance of knowing that you gave them that opportunity means everything. When you're standing next to the grave of your beautiful 27-year-old son, life was reduced very quickly to only one thing. He knew Jesus as his personal Savior, and I know that James is alive, and I will see him again. You see, time and the wilderness have taught me that eternity is my reference point. With full assurance and living hope, I can release the sorrow into the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, and I can declare that his grace truly is sufficient for my weakness. I do know that God's thoughts are not my thoughts, and God's ways are higher than my ways. I trust that. I believe that, and I wait to see the fullness of his word revealed to me one day. He does all things well, and as for God, I do know and I believe with all of my heart his way is perfect. I have to trust him. The alternative is not an option for me. Soon, we'll all gather again as a family, and we will remember what it was like for James to be there with us. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. 
we miss him? And do I wish that this was not our story? Yes. This was not the identity I ever wanted to have. This was not the way that I ever envisioned holding out words of life or sharing. But I trust God. His provisions for your life are always available for whosoever will choose to know Him. In closing, I know there are more details of that story. I wrote a book five years after James passed away in 2015, Life After the Storm. I look back now and I think five years was nothing. I can't believe that I did that because sometimes the longer you go, the more you know that you don't know. But God gave me the opportunity to remind people that He is always on the other side. He will meet you in the middle of your storm. He will guide you and lead you and take you through that wilderness. If you would like to refer to the show notes and receive a copy of Life After the Storm, there's information there as long as the supply lasts. But I just want to encourage you as we go through these next few weeks together, that in every story, there is a thread of hope. In every hard place, there is a witness that will tell you that God is faithful. In every single word that others are going to share over these next few weeks, there is life and light and bread and water and fire and supply that God has prepared to meet you in your wilderness. God bless you and thank you for allowing me to share and to heal. When we say with our mouths what God has done in our hearts, he begins to heal us even more. Thank you for joining me on Rooted and Radiant. Now let's all go cultivate our spiritual lives to become rooted in the Word of God and radiate His joy.